This episode is brought to you by the first ever Toyota Corolla Cross. Sometimes everything just clicks. Like when your favorite song comes on at just the right time. When there's two tickets left for the show. When everyone in the crew can agree on what album to listen to. When everything just feels right. That's the feeling of the first ever Toyota Corolla Cross. Available with all-wheel drive, Qi wireless charging, and advanced JBL sound system. It's everything you need. Nothing more, nothing less. Learn more at toyota.com. This episode is brought to you by the NHL on TNT. When it comes to hockey, the Stanley Cup playoffs are built different. Experience the intensity and insanity on the ice and off it. Starting May 5th on TNT and TBS. Get ready for seven game rounds of knockdowns, dragouts, pressure, and agony as teams go head-to-head without ever letting up. The Stanley Cup playoffs are known for more than just a few cracked ribs and black eyes. Pushing through pain is the name of the game. With so much edge-of-your-seat action, you'll refuse to shave or change your sweater. Don't say we didn't warn you. Ready to feel the rush? Watch the Stanley Cup playoffs beginning May 5th on TNT and TBS. Just trying to go longer and longer and longer each show. I was wondering how long I could go. <laughs> yes, you you started bulging there, like, like yeah, in your forehead. I thought you were there were die. veins popping out of your forehead. How long did I make? About eighteen seconds. Only eighteen <laughs> seconds. Yeah. Jeez, time slows when you're screaming. I guess. <laughs> well, guys, welcome to Honey Hole Hangout. We hang out, talk about hunting, fishing, uh, and the great outdoors. And today we have uh, myself, Zach, and Cliff, the regular crew, and we have our good buddy Jack, who moved away from us. He did, but it was right before COVID, so it's not like we'd see him anyways. Yeah. <laughs> What's going on, guys? That's true. <laughs> What's going on, Jack? Oh, not too much. Um, it's funny, Zach and I were just catching up before the show, and we were talking about how the, the very last thing either of us did before COVID was that uh, float trip that you, me, and Zach did down the Lano. Yeah, and that uh, we got a bunch of great drone footage, and then Zach caught that huge bass yep. out of that yep. hole. It was, um, it was great. That you pulled the drone up, and then Zach was just fishing just to fish. And I don't know, you flew the drone for a while, and then you went to yep. land the drone, and Zach and caught a fish out of this hole. I've been fishing the entire time. And we didn't think it was like a small hole. It was like a little pocket. Zach had probably thrown like 20 or 30 casts in it. And it was more of like a, hey, let's get some footage of like you casting a fly rod while you have the drone up. The drone's up. You get all kinds of great footage. And then you go to land the drone. And Zach hooks into like, was it your personal best? Probably my personal best Guadalupe bass. Personal best Guadalupe bass. While you're landing. So then it was like an emergency retake off. Yeah. We get the drone back up. Yeah, yeah, and we yeah. got some good like aerial footage of me landing this bass. It was, yeah, it's awesome. I I, I rewatch yeah. that video every now and then just to, like get myself pumped up. You know, yeah, so. 
Yeah. So uh, Jack, if you guys remember, Jack had previously sent us some hot sauce in the mail that we tried on the show. They apparently gave Cliff weird dreams. Yes. Uh, we'll talk about that later. But uh, so Jack <laughs> has took up a new hobby in growing like extremely hot peppers. And we're going to talk mm-hmm. to him about that a little bit later. Sounds um, good. Perfect. So what we'll get into is what's been going on in our life. You guys probably noticed last week that we didn't have an episode. Nope. Uh, we did not have an episode because we had COVID. Everyone got COVID. <laughs> yep. yep. So, so if you remember us joking about it on the last episode <laughs> that came out, it was no longer jokes. Everyone had allergies. <laughs> Everyone had allergies that turned into COVID. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, to, to be fair, though, before we even recorded that, I texted and said, hey, I've been sick. Someone did come into the office with COVID. I don't know what if I have it or not. And you even said, no, let's all still record. <laughs> outside. Yeah. I Honestly, well, I thought we, we were, are outside. I know. I thought if we were outside, we'd be okay. Yeah, we weren't. Because you didn't have any symptoms, though. Uh, not really. No. I mean, it, it seriously felt like allergies, and I proceeded as such. I mean, yeah. I you didn't have a fever or anything, so I was like, okay. I well, legitimately treated it with Zyrtec, D, and Moonshine. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, and I think I got the worst out of everybody. You definitely got I the think worst, you did. Yeah, sure. because I felt like I had the flu. My my mm. after residual stuff was worse than actually having the COVID. So after I tested negative. That was worse than when I actually had COVID. Yeah. Yeah, well, I tested negative today, and I still have, like, I was coughing earlier. and Yeah, but maybe all yours worked out at the same time. Because if you remember, I didn't ha- have the bubble guts and all that while I was positive. And then after yeah. I tested negative was when my favorite pastime started happening. <laughs> <laughs> Your favorite pastime. There you go. So, uh, but Cliff, you had, like, a ruined duck hunt. I did. So the last weekend was honestly probably one of the worst worst weekends of my life because I had just gotten over COVID or we thought. Yep. You hadn't seen us in a while. No. I went up to a public land piece uh Friday night and I <laughs> slept in my truck, froze the entire night. You didn't leave your truck running with the heater on? I'd turn it on intermittently. Because um, it was cold that weekend, too. Yeah, it was uh, 21 yeah. when I woke up that morning. Yeah, um, chilly. I woke up just feeling nauseous mm-hmm. and uh, like extreme vertigo. So I opened up the truck and I tried to breathe like clean air, like fresh air and stuff, and uh, started getting ready for to go out to hunt. This is at like four in the morning or so Mm -hmm. and I just keep on feeling nauseous and so eventually I throw up everywhere and I'm like great it's out of my system continue so I (laughs) finish getting ready and all that and then I start getting the bubble guts a little bit and Uh it's like and you have waiters and I have waiters so it's not a quick release no No. (laughs) Um, so I drop my waiters and I (laughs) go behind a truck tire and then uh get get back ready and everything and i'm still just nauseous as i'll get out and i'm like oh did you have your dude wipes with you i did okay that's fortunate. Um, so i'm sitting there trying to breathe clean air and settle <laughs> stomach i was taking small sips of water and all this other stuff um 
and eventually my alarm on my watch for LST goes off and it's like, well, I still have an hour long hike. I've I've missed it this morning. Yeah. So how I, far was the drive? Two hours. Okay. Um. So I get in. The, I pack up all my stuff. I didn't change, so I drove home in my waders because I just didn't feel good at all. I come home and I just crash out and sleep like yeah. the rest of the day. And then Saturday, so you never even hunted. I never even hunted. You drove all the way out there, slept out there, got sick, drove home. Correct. Mm-hmm. Um, so you do better now. I am better now. <laughs> yeah. And then Saturday, uh, I was when I got back home. So Saturday afternoon, I finally start to feel eh enough. And I unload the truck and start putting everything away. And then I go inside and hang out with Cynthia and go get dinner and stuff. And then Sunday, um, I had some more stuff in the garage that I wanted to do. So I came out here, and I was trying to build a shelving unit. And uh, so I was drawing up plans in my notebook and stuff like that. I was texting the group, see if anyone had a saw I could borrow and all that. I go inside, and I tell Cynthia, hey, I'm going to go look at lumber at Home Depot. And then I leave, and that's when Zach said he couldn't find his saw. So then I was like, well, I'm going to Home Depot anyway. I'll look at shelving units. And I call my dad, and I'm like, should I build something? Should I just buy something? He said, honestly, I just buy it. That way you can take it with you anyway. Um, So I get that, and I come home, and... uh go inside, tell Cynthia, I'm here, and I come out to the garage again, and I'm starting to move everything that was on the wall where the shelving unit is Mm -hmm. over, and the first thing I went to go grab was my bow, but bow was not there. It went missing. It went missing. So someone had broken the hour that I was gone. Someone had broken into my garage, stole my bow, and my blind bag, so everything that was in my bow case and everything that was in my blind bag has since grown legs and disappeared. Not your new layout blind. No, my layout blind is still here. No, no, blind, nobody the, wants to steal grass. To be honest, I didn't see your layout blind, and I was like, wait, his blind bag. Is he talking about his layout blind? No, the blind bag, like a, a bag you take yeah, to the, to blind, the blind. blind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which contained my ear pro, my choke set, some like w- face paint, knick knacky stuff at that. After yeah, that, yeah. Uh, about three boxes of shot shell, right? And my boss bag was all in it. They took all of that. My bird strap was on it. Yeah, and from um, the way you're saying it, they kind of grabbed the two things that were the easiest to grab right by the door, and then kind of booked. That's it. what I think. Yeah. Um, luckily, no. F- uh, that that's it. That's all. Yeah. Kind of. But yeah, my bow got stolen. My blind bag got stolen. So now I'm. And like a week ago, when this first happened, you said you weren't gonna. Do, you were done bow hunting. No, I didn't. I kind of alluded to that a little bit. I was like, I don't know if I want to buy another one yeah. because, like, but this was you, after it was stolen. Going, this yeah, was, yeah, this, this was, was like, after it was yeah, stolen. Yeah, like, like, yeah, this was after it was stolen. Like the next day, you're like, I'm not gonna replace. It. I'm just done. So where are you at now? I'm going to get a new bow. Yeah, okay. Because I yeah. thought about it, and I was like, nah, it's too fun right. to give up. That's right. You're a, no. You're I love a it. bow hunter, Cliff. I love it. I started thinking, like, 
As much as you want to be a waterfowler, Cliff, you're a bow hunter. Yeah. Uh, so I. Uh, <laughs> you can feed a lot more people with a deer than with a duck. They're 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 both fun. <laughs> <laughs> there's no there's no way around it. I love both of them, but for very different reasons. But I, I was thinking like archery technically starts and stops before duck season, so I can still do that. And yeah. uh, got tack, which I was looking forward to, which. Uh, April or February 12th is registration for TAC. Okay. Just to let you know. Landon. I'm going to make it this year. Wow. I haven't even been able to make what, it the last year. What is years. TAC's date? Uh, April 28th through May 1st, I believe. Okay. Somewhere in there. I know it ends on like May 1st. Gotcha. Um, That's right, because I think it was the same weekend as Solar Car last year. And I think Solar Car is that same weekend this year. So, uh, yeah, um, just waiting on... The police uh, said that they there's not enough information on whoever stole it to make an arrest or anything like that. Um, I did have my bow serial number, so that's handed over. So it now it goes in a system that like a pawn shop runs it. Correct, it'll, flag it'll it. pop. Yeah. Um, other than that, waiting on insurance. Yeah, and hopefully I'm able to get a new bow soon so I can get it set up and dialed in and ready for TAC. Yeah. Which is going to be a, actually a pretty tall feat because, A, got to wait on that check and everything. <laughs> get a bow, get all the accessories for said bow, get used to shooting said bow, dial in, sight yep. for said bow, yep. and then that's at the point that I'm going to be ready. And that, I mean, we got February, March, April three months to do that so a quarter of the year you can do it i can but it's going to be like that's what i'm dedicating to yeah i'm not going to be able to duck hunt well duck season's over tomorrow anyway oh so you got you got time on your hands i think it's tomorrow it's today 29th yeah tomorrow duck season's over mm. So well, yeah. and our duck hunt, our honey hole duck hunt that we had scheduled got canceled. <laughs> got canceled because everyone got because everyone got COVID. COVID. Yeah, <laughs> bit me in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> it gotcha. Yeah, that was going to be a fun event and my first time duck hunting. Me too. Now we have to wait till next year. Yeah, wait till next yep. year. That's okay. All right, man. I just had my first time in in November. Oh, how did so it go? I, um, it was pretty good. Where'd uh, you go? We were in Charleston. Um, okay. Had to go there for a wedding around Thanksgiving. So um, one of my, and we stayed just like for the week from the wedding till Thanksgiving. And uh, some of my good friends from, from Clemson, from school, lived there. Um, but we went in the Ace Basin. It's like uh, down between Charleston and Beaufort, kind of. Um, really, really pretty area. And, uh, the guy I went with, his name's Matt. He's like one of my best friends from school and he actually works for DNR down there in the Ace Basin. Um, but it was funny, like, man, we got up, we got all set up the night before, like that morning we're like driving in and, and, you know, like he works out in the basin. So he makes that drive like every day. And the whole drive in, he was just saying, man, I've never seen it this foggy. Man, I've never seen it this foggy. Um, so anyway, we, we got out there and, and got set up and, like, went out in the boat, like, well before shooting light and got a good spread going. 
And, and like the whole time he just kept saying, man, I've never seen it this foggy. And so we are just waiting for the fog to clear, waiting for it to clear, you know, like looking at our watch, like, well, it says it should be shooting light. And then like, you know, like 20, 30 minutes later looking like we should see the sun rising <laughs> and the fog just, the fog just never cleared. Like it was just like pea soup, man. Like we, the fog never cleared. We, we heard a couple ducks uh, go over our other friend who was with us, Jojo. He, he took a shot at one, but um, oh, man. yeah, it didn't do any good, but, but it was fun. It was like a, a fun little mission, you know, like, I know y'all know all too well, like getting out before daylight and, and all that. Um, I can definitely see myself getting into it. Oh, well, welcome to the club. <laughs> um, <laughs> so were y'all in like a bay area or were y'all, I mean, I'm assuming you're yeah. kind of into the bay. So y'all were hunting predominantly divers then is what y'all yes. were going after. So yeah, we never saw done a diver hunt and I want to. We saw one guy at the takeout and he'd gotten like, I think a couple mergansers. Okay. Um, but that was like the only guy to take out who'd done any good. Okay. Uh, you're in a pretty good area. Um, I mean, not, I don't know exactly around Nashville, but I know if you just head west, there's a mm-hmm. bunch of opportunity there. Um, I think within four hours you can be in some prime duck hunting from where you're at right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've got some coworkers that are um, crazy into it. So maybe maybe in the coming years I'll start to kind of tag along with some of them or something. Yeah. That's the way to fun. do it is yeah. tag along with somebody that and the, knows oh, yeah. I couldn't imagine taking on duck hunting like by yourself for the first time. Oh no. It'd yeah. be almost impossible. <laughs> yeah, and the reason I like duck hunting or waterfowl hunting uh is the camaraderie. To me it's a lot mm-hmm. more fun when you do have people to go out with. Well, that's half the fun of duck like, hunting is just going out. I like hanging out with the oh, group yeah. um, and pissing around in the blind versus like with deer hunting, I like to be alone. I don't want to hunt deer with anyone else. No. And, um, and that's partly why I like the tree stand life. I mean, yeah, here we don't get to do that that often, but only one person can be up in a stand at a time. So, All right, I can do that. I, I like, I'll be up there with you. <laughs> just hugging each other. <laughs> um, I can sit in the chair and you can sit in my lap. <laughs> <laughs> That's about how I'd have to be. <laughs> um, and I, I like the like aloneness of deer hunting, but waterfowl hunting, like in a group, two, three, four, five guys. It's just fun. It's a lot of fun. And then when birds aren't working or aren't around, just sitting there, Pissing around, talking, BSing. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Let's see. Let's get into our articles. Yeah. Um, I'll go first. Uh, let's start with conservation. Ooh, Zach. conservation. Texas Parks and Wildlife Department closing oyster harvest area in Aransas Bay. Oh, yeah. Okay. So basically, uh, Texas Parks and Wildlife is closing the oyster harvest in a couple areas along the Texas coast. Um, and the reason that they're doing that is that they oysters are not big enough per their parameters to have like a good harvest. The oysters are not big enough. The oysters are not big enough. Because they have so, to be what, like three inches across? Or something legal like that? size oysters, three inches or greater. And um, most of the oysters, uh, when they did their 
testing were two to uh, two point nine inches. Gotcha. And so basically, there's not enough legal size oysters to justify it. And so they are closing the season to give those oysters time to reproduce and grow. Reproduce and grow. Does it say how how much they grow each year? Um, it does not say. This article does not say how much they grow per year. Although uh, when I was doing some research, um, oysters can live up to twenty years. Um, okay, but I don't know how much they grow per year. We should go out one day. And collect oysters. Or blue crab. I'd be definitely down to get some blue crab. Um, That's interesting that uh, they actually cancel. I mean, it makes sense. Did you know that you could actually recycle oysters with, like, only 30% of their shell? Yeah, so... uh, Why only 30? I think, like, that's as much that it needs to to keep growing. I think any less... Oh, like, the oyster itself. I thought you were saying you can recycle the shells, because I've seen people do, like... Or, or driveways and stuff with oyster shells. No, I think the shell itself. You the only, shell itself. You only need 30% of the shell, and with that can grow a whole new oyster out of what? it. So, like, all these restaurants in, that even you eat the oyster, you can actually take that shell, as long as it hasn't been, like, cooked or anything, and recycle it, and it will grow a whole new oyster. Wait, so is the oyster the living part? I was, I always thought it was, like... The slimy thing the in the sli- middle. Yeah. Is I, that... Because I'd figured, like, once that's out... That shell can't regrow. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I just. No, in my research, because uh, I was thinking about making a YouTube video about this whole oyster thing. Uh, Texas Parks and Wildlife is building man-made oyster reefs, mm-hmm. and then there are restaurants that are saving shells yep. and they're recycling them to grow to more, more oysters. Grow, to grow more oysters. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, I don't know the actual process of the, like, like, the biological know. process of regrowing it. I just know that you need that, at least thirty percent of the shell, and that's that would be a good question for Dacus when we get him back on. Oh yeah, that's really yeah. interesting. Because the only thing of my uh, oysters I know is they're delicious. They're delicious. <laughs> I love oysters. <laughs> That friend that I hung out with in Charleston, that's a lot of what he does. Actually, he's a wildlife biologist um, with the state, and he was telling me about all that because we uh, did an oyster roast at his house one night, and he was, like, collecting all the shells in the in a bucket for it. And he was telling me, I think I think it's, like, a city program or something that, that recycles them, and I think they have to wash them first or something to make sure they're not spreading any disease. Uh-huh. Um, but then, the, yeah, the for new oysters to grow, they need that bed of old oyster shells to, to get established on. That's so it cool. is pretty cool to the, you know, cause they're not going to use them for anything else. It's better than going to How landfill. How do they reproduce? Uh, good question. But I know I've seen baby oysters and they're soft, like microscopic little things. So maybe what it is, they like that tiny little oyster baby thing finds part of the shell, sticks to it, and then can use that to regrow the rest of the shell. Maybe that's how it works. I don't know. That's me just spit on. But it is cool, though. I mean, considering so many restaurants just probably chuck the shells, you know, when they could be growing more habitat. I'm going to start saving them. Yeah. Yeah, when I was doing my research as well, a lot of restaurants at the coast participate yeah. um, in saving the shells. And they, they understand, too, you know, if, uh, you know, that's part of their business. People come down there for oysters, and they want – most restaurants have an active role in saving the shells – um, because that's part of their livelihood. So then, is that gonna? So they they're closing the harvest. Are they closing it to everybody or just 
just like not commercial. You know what I mean? They're closing it to everyone in specific areas. Okay. Not every area is closed. So commercial oyster farmers and a lot can of the, probably still get their oysters. A lot of the ones that you're probably getting from like Smashing Crab or somewhere yeah, yeah. like that, they're probably farmed oysters. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're not from one of these live areas. Right. Just like you can go buy duck or you can hunt duck. Yeah. But if you're buying it, it's not like it's a hunted duck. No, it's like a, a, wild, yeah, a duck that's yeah. lived in a cage. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, my next article is On Patrol. Ooh, I don't think I've heard an On Patrol in a while. Texas Game Warden's investigation results in organized crime ring bust and multiple arrests. Uh, this is a two-year multi-agency effort. Um Basically, what happened is the Game Warrants recovered over $275,000 worth of stolen watercraft and other vehicles. Um, they were finding people that were taking, like, uh, uh, what are they, sea dunes? Um, sea dunes? Sea dunes. Uh, what are they called? People ride them on lakes. Is that what they are? A sea dew? Uh, I mean, a that's a jet ski. A jet ski. A jet ski. Sea dew is a brand of jet skis. Okay. Yeah. So they were taking, uh, people were like, you know, stealing jet skis and then trying to retitle them into their name and, you know, providing false documentation for like an extremely low sales price and then false title information. And they were trying to register them in their name. So they're taking these stolen, you know, watercraft and then retitling them into their name. And, um, the case began with a tip from uh, Texas Parks and Wildlife Department law enforcement office regarding an individual titling numerous jet skis in their name at very low purchase prices. Eventually, a Florida County tax office noticed um, that, and uh, and they were able to connect the one in Florida to the guy in Texas, and they were part of the same crime ring. Um. Over the following months, Marine Theft Investigations Unit worked to trace the jet skis that were bought and sold by the suspects. The investigators uncovered the jet skis being titled were actually stolen through Texas and then sold across multiple Gulf states with false titles and identification numbers. Um, and they identified a third suspect who had participated in the crime ring as well. Um, they recovered 27 stolen vehicles and trailers and filed charges and arrested the three suspects. Uh, the charges are pending. Have you guys ever been on a wave runner? I don't think ever in like the actual ocean. I have yeah. on a lake. They're but fun. I have on a lake. I've been on the back of one one time. My They're dad had snowmobiles, which I imagine is very similar. Yeah, or like a four wheeler. Just what's the ground you know type what? underneath you? <laughs> <laughs> but you know what though, four wheelers and snowmobiles are totally different. Snowmobiles are weird. Like you slide off them so easily. You can, but that's the slippery surface that you're on more than. Gravel and mud, which sticks instead of ice and melts. Yeah. But, yeah, I've always kind of thought, like, I mean, I might be wrong, but, like, four-wheelers, jet skis, and uh, snowmobiles are very similar, just like surfboards, skateboards, and snowboards. Like, mechanics are going to, the fundamental mechanics are probably about the same. It's just what's the surface you're doing it on. True. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Good job, Game Wardens. Nice work. I saw a picture. They po- uh, uh, Game Wardens posted a picture of like all of is like mostly jet skis, basically. Like, yeah, yeah. They, keep they arresting convert. criminals. Yeah, I've never been on a jet ski though. 
Like the stand-up ones? No. Yeah, you know what I mean? Because technically that's a jet ski, and the other yeah, things are wave, wave runners. runners. Wave runners, yeah. But I think they all kind of fall underneath the... If you say jet ski, people like, yeah. I think you ride on the water. Yeah, I don't know what the difference is. I thought it was a sea dune. A, motor- <laughs> a water motorcycle. A water, yeah. Yeah. That's what I got. Zach, what do you got for us today? Ooh, I'm excited about this one. A little loud. That's good. All right. So, guys, there is a reported Bigfoot sighting. Ooh. Yeah, this happened recently, too. Isn't there one, like, every day? I'm just kidding. Go on. Go on. (laughs) (laughs) Is it legitimate? Like, what? what, Tell us us the details. Okay, so the story. This happened in Illinois uh, off of Route 78 near Chandlerville. Question. Is it a legit Bigfoot sighting if it's not in the Pacific Northwest? Yes. You think so? Because this isn't Bigfoot supposed to be like Pacific Northwest creature. We don't know how where he vacations. Okay, all right, yeah, go you on. Know? We don't know where he's summering. Uh, so, anyways, uh, this guy, uh, let's see, his last name's Garver, right? He was driving on the stretch of this road around ten thirty at night on November 29th, Right? This is only a couple months ago. He says, "I saw a large animal jump into the road about forty yards ahead." When it hit the road, I could see very large legs spread wide in a dead run with a large, swinging, hairy arms. The arms switched back and forth very close to the ground, he says, as its body was leaning forward. It says he leaped across the road at only two jumps. And he told this to the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization, which is a scientific research group founded in 1995. Scientific research group. It is. It's. It is a scientific research group okay. in 1995. He said it was only about two seconds, and then finally the creature vanished into the darkness. Did he have a dash camera? He did not. Right. Of course. He did say he could see it clearly, though. It was really large, and even though it was hunched over, it was very close to being wider than his car, and nearly the top of his windshield. It actually blocked out the lights of a car ahead. That's how wide it was. You know what it sounds like to me? What? A bear sighting. Yep. In Illinois? <laughs> More likely than Bigfoot. <laughs> uh, it said it was running as fast as a white-tailed deer. And then finally, he said he was driving until he reached Havana, which I guess is a city, where he stopped and he sent a text to his wife and child and explained what he experienced. So, yeah. That's it. Hmm. But sounds like a bear sighting to me. Yeah, most people are actually saying this is a very reliable sighting, said the person from the Finding Bigfoot. Yeah, from research. the Bigfoot Science Research Center. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, of course they say it's a very reliable sighting. There have been 301 sightings in Illinois. Uh, the county that he was in, though, led leads the, the sightings with 24. Um, and the most recent sighting was in August of 2017. So it's been a few years, about four years since the most recent Bigfoot sighting. Mm. So yeah, that's it. I do have an update on something that we talked about. Okay, what? Is it here, if you're done? Yeah, I'm done. So you remember a few weeks ago we were talking about the Filson jeans? Yes. They took care of it. Ooh, You got a full refund on everything? Uh, not everything yet. One pair is still in the repair shop, the ones that actually ripped. Um, They're going to send them back to you? They're trying to repair them. That's all I know. But they did give a full refund on everything else. Nice. So, 
Pilsen's no longer on the naughty list. Hmm. On the nice list. I'm not ordering pants from them. But I don't. I wasn't planning on ordering pants from them anyways. I'm just letting our people know because I bashed them a little bit. And, and now I'm you saying I'm, it back. I'm walking it back a little bit because they took care of it. Yeah. They should have just given you a refund on the rib jeans, too. That's my opinion. Yeah, and that still is probably an option, but... I'll see what happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, but, bought, I bought jeans recently. They're made out of recycled water bottles and coffee grinds. How? <laughs> Now, the, are you talking about the recycled water bottles or the coffee grinds? Because Orvis makes now, a lot of products the, out of recycled water bottles and out of recycled oysters. oyster shells. Yeah, I understand that, but coffee grinds. Yeah, I don't know how they do the coffee grind thing. Unless it's the dye. Uh, it might be the dye. I don't think it's a dye. No, because they do they come smell out like brown. coffee. I don't know. I get them in the co- next couple of days, so we'll see. We'll see how it goes. If you mm. just get warm and you just start smelling like a fresh cup of. Folgers. I'm not gonna argue with that. It sounds great. <laughs> Get a little hot. All of a sudden, I'm like, ooh, perk me up a little bit. Start smelling like Cliff's crazy coffee. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Do y'all hear about that uh, coffee? Uh, I thought about ordering it for the podcast for us to all try and then surprising y'all with it, but it's way too expensive. And we the may have food? talked about it before, the but one it's that comes from the monkey butt. No, it's digested cat. by elephants. Elephants, because there's a cat poop one too. The cat poop one's like the the fancy like aphrodisiac one. Yeah, no, the this one oh, is... this cat shit coffee really got my yeah. tractor going. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a no for me, dog. Basically, they feed the, the coffee to elephants, and then the coffee gets like partially digested by the elephants, and then they grind it up and sell it to people. It's like 200 bucks a bag. I mean, the, the thought behind it is kind of unique because coffee tends to make you poop, so feeding elephants coffee means they poop more, which means you get more to sell more. I didn't fo- I didn't follow that logic. But I do remember there's a I do remember you telling me about that at one point or someone saying that there's a coffee that's digested by elephants, but then there's also another one that I believe is done by monkeys or something too. Hmm. I don't know. I only know about the cat poop one. I don't want to drink poop coffee. No. I don't it's cleaned, it. apparently. I don't see the purpose of it realistically. Neither do I. The I purpose is it's funny to, to try once. That's true. Say so you did it once. Yeah. Nobody's like every morning drinking cat poop coffee. When someone says, oh, I had this really good cup of coffee from somewhere, but have dish. you had coffee that was digested by an elephant? That sounds like the most hipster thing ever. Like, <laughs> oh, I only drink cat we need poop coffee. E- we need Ian on this conversation. Cat poop. Wait, wait, wait so, okay. So you say elephant, you say monkey, I say cat. Jack, have you ever heard of a animal poop coffee? Uh, I can't say that I have. Mm. Trucker. Trucker, trucker poop coffee. <laughs> they just get it. Okay. From the- it's called black ivory coffee, the world's rarest coffee, naturally refined by elephants. That's what they... <laughs> refined. You know, there's a Good lot of things that like poop is used for. So, hey, you know, maybe coffee is one of those things. I'm going to go refine. <laughs> Plus, once it's you primarily it. sold to select five-star hotels. However, we reserve a small portion of on our website for private consumption by international customers. Wait, do they just have a butthole right there? No. <laughs> no, 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 that's an eye. That is an eye of an no. elephant, not a butthole. <laughs> he went fast. It looked like a butthole. <laughs> Marketing. Exactly. I was like, that's weird. Yeah, a single pack of black ivory coffee is $120. Well, how many How many ounces is it? Uh, 35 grams. 
That's enough for one cup of coffee. Really? It's yeah. $100 for I one make, cup I of make 20 ounces of coffee every morning, and I use 35 grams of coffee beans. Really? Really, really. It'll make 750 grams of coffee. So we could all basically taste it. Yeah, we could have yeah, like, like we could all have, have we could all have a yeti cup full. Yeah, this coffee tastes like shit. <laughs> <laughs> Harvesting process. Uh, it begins with selecting a hundred percent. Okay, let's not do that. Uh, the cherries <laughs> are brought to Surin, where each elephant caregiving family mixes the cherries with the elephant's favorite food. Um, the combination helps to ensure that the elephant enjoys a snack, and there's additional nutritional benefits. Each elephant has its own recipe as their taste, just like humans is subjective. Once ingested, the digestive process will begin, and this can take between 12 to 72 hours depending on the amount of food they already have in their stomach. I'm sorry, but once it says, I mean, I was already like halfway out the door. One second. Once deposited by the elephants, the individual cherries are hand-picked by the elephant caregiver. That's awful. Um, The picked cherries are then brought to the local school where the final year high school students are paid to wash, rake, and sun-dry the coffee cherries. Oh, really? Where is this coming from? Their website, Black Ivory Coffee. No, what, uh, what country? What country? <laughs> oh. Um, <laughs> I, I know where that, those words Thailand. are coming from because it's Thailand. very uh, Thailand marketing-appropriate wording. That's deposited um, and refined. Once dried to a certain percentage of moisture, the cherries are then hold and sorted by machine for density and hand-picked for physical defects and size. Only the largest sizes are chosen to ensure an even roast. Next, the beans are roasted, packed in a one-way valve bag to ensure freshness and shipped out to ensure freshness. Black ivory coffee, roast to order, and does not warehouse roasted coffee. Approximately 33 kilograms of coffee cherries are required to produce just one kilogram of black ivory coffee. The result is a very distinctive cup with notes of chocolate, Spiced tobacco and leather, a hint of grass and red cherry. And black blue. ivory coffee lacks bitterness and is delicate, almost like tea-like in its complexity. While taste is objective, we believe this will be the most distinctive cup you will ever taste. That seems weird. You guys want to try it? No. I might would try it, but what I, I, I was one foot already out the door. <laughs> like I'm not going <laughs> to go out and spend 100 bucks on a single serving of coffee. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Maybe we have a listener that'll send us. Plus, then you gotta buy. <laughs> plus, then you gotta buy one way to make it because I'm never gonna reuse that thing to make it again. No, I'd say it's definitely a pour over type thing. Oh yeah, no, no. no. <laughs> but I'm saying like I wouldn't use my Chemex for it because then I have to go buy a new Chemex. Gosh, you think it's gonna have streaks? <laughs> they're, they're washed. <laughs> they're washed by local high school students. Zach. It's, it's like a toilet. It's gonna have streaks. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but the part that threw me. It was during the like description is each elephant produces its own unique flavor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, I want that Dumbo blend of the dump coffee. <laughs> the Dumbo. The Dumbo dump coffee. It's so nice out there. Out there in the Mexican markets where chili stretch in the sun. High in the mountain air between backcountry skis and kids doing the first snowplow. Or next to the pool after a long day of forgetting what day it is. We're all here to get out there and come home more us than the us that went away. And when you save on travel as an Expedia member, you can travel even more. It's so nice out there. So let's go. Expedia. Made to travel. Terms apply. See site for details. 
This summer, your next adventure is waiting for you in Colorado. Here, dreams feel bigger, and everything shines just a little brighter, no matter where you are. Whether you're relaxing in a quiet mountain town or exploring a vibrant city, new discoveries are waiting for you around every corner. Come to Colorado. Come to life. Learn more at colorado.com slash summer. All right, boys. All right, Jack, you ready to talk about peppers? Always. All right, so um, so Jack, you, uh, I guess, last summer picked up a new hobby during COVID. Would you kind of walk us through what your hobby is and why you decided to pick it up? Yeah, yeah, sure thing. Um, crazy, but I guess it was actually two summers ago now that I really picked it up. It's 2020. Um, but so I'm, I left Texas and moved to Nashville during like the height of the pandemic, you know, breaking our hearts in um, the process. Yeah. Uh, mine too. It was, it was hard to leave. <laughs> um, I loved San Antonio, but, um, but yeah, so I moved to Nashville. It's like height of the pandemic, nothing to do. Um, I moved into this house and it's, it's got a good yard and, um, ended up just getting some plants for the backyard. And, uh, I guess the, the pepper plants quickly poked out as my favorite. And, um, before I knew it, I had more like jalapenos and, and habaneros and a few others than I knew what to do with. And, uh, just loved cooking with them and stuff. So I started finding some more, uh, pepper varieties I could get, whether it be from Home Depot or like other local sellers. Um, and then, uh, at, by the end of the summer, I just had like too many peppers to do anything with. So, you know, I'm like Googling like what to do with a bunch of jalapenos, stuff like that. And, uh, pretty much all, all the websites were saying, oh, you can, you can make hot sauce like pretty easily. So I'm, I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll give that a try. So it was like one, one weekend while I was home in Alabama visiting my parents, I just brought a bunch of peppers and we cooked like a batch of hot sauce from this recipe online and uh, cooked it and then and tried it. And I think pretty much all of us were very quickly like, wow, that's like the best hot sauce I've ever had, um, which was pretty funny because it was like, a, you know, very easy recipe mm-hmm. and just like something that we were just doing for fun. Um, but I was like, man, that's better than any store-bought hot sauce I've ever had. So ended up making a couple more batches uh, summer 2020 and, and tweaking them a bit. And then uh, this past summer, I, I kind of went all out. I, uh, I got seeds, uh, started all my plants from seeds. So I was able to start a bunch of different varieties um, and then just started making, making more batches. And um, one of my coworkers actually was like, tried some. He's like, hey, let me buy that from you. I was like, are you serious? Like, I'd probably just give it to you. And he's like, no, let me buy it. So he bought it. And um, then it was like the next Monday at work, he was like, hey, man, I had I had friends over this weekend and we were grilling out and they were all asking about that hot sauce. And like, now these three friends want to buy some. I was like, oh, all right. Well, yeah, like I'll, I'll bring some for them. And, um, and it kind of just went from there. Like people hit me up on Instagram and, co-workers and um yeah it kind of just grew on me faster than i could keep up with and uh sold quite a bit of hot sauce last summer and um it's actually funny we're doing it this weekend because 
doing this call this weekend because I'm going to um, start my plants for next summer this weekend. So that's kind of just like a, a quick rundown. So have it, you have you kind of given up? Because you said you grew peppers as part of like other things in like a garden. Are you like a hundred percent in on the peppers now, <laughs> and like giving up um, on everything else, or do you still have like are you still doing like the full garden? I guess some tomatoes and cucumbers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Still doing like a full garden. Um, I would say peppers are are probably at least sixty percent of it though. Oh, nice. um, like so this this summer coming up, I'm I'm gonna grow twenty different varieties of peppers um so that'll be like at least 20 pepper plants oh dang i got a couple of questions uh, yeah go for it question number one is do you consider yourself a hothead now like the people who just <laughs> drink or eat hot sauce for the sake of eating hot sauce because that's what they get that's what they like yeah mm-hmm. that's what they get into yeah like the ones who try and find the hottest and yeah. do all that do you consider yourself that now i I don't know. That's kind of a hard question because I would consider myself um, like very into hot sauce. Like I, I have it on most meals and I like it a lot. But um, this this will probably be a surprise. Is I'm actually like I, I don't know somewhat of a, a baby or like middle of the road <laughs> on like my heat tolerance, <laughs> which like is funny coming from a guy like who grows you know like chocolate boot ghost peppers in his backyard, but. I really just like the flavors um, and I do grow some of the hottest peppers in the world. But then if, if you're making a sauce with a lot of other flavors, you know, it'll, it'll tone that down. So I probably like the hottest I would eat is that, um, that sauce I sent you guys. The that's that's probably sauce. like, yeah, that's it. Like kind of the, actually like the peak of what, what's an enjoyable heat for me. Uh-huh. Like I'm, I'm not trying to, to kill myself or kill anybody. <laughs> with the hot sauce but i'm <laughs> really just after the um the flavors of it and like not, for people i've sold the sauce to that's kind of what they they I, say they they, I, they like it for that reason too like the I, heat but not like full just like i don't want to burn my mouth off i agree but yeah not like even after that one like i get strange dreams after eating that hot sauce so i don't <laughs> think i'd want to go like <laughs> Too much, like, deeper into that rabbit trail. Now, Jack, why yeah. do you think Cliff was getting strange dreams after eating your hot sauce? I, I don't know. That's a that's a good question. Now, um, to me, it sounds, it, I would think, is because it's fermented. And I am curious yeah. about that process and what that actually does to the hot sauce. Um, but that's what I would have to think, because if no other hot sauce makes you have weird dreams. Yeah, because I'm, yeah. I'm not a stranger to hot sauce. I used Tabasco, Cholula, and all that, like, on... <sighs> everything and i've had i've eaten ghost peppers before okay um but i've never had anything now the ghost pepper was hotter it was more physically painful than your hot sauce for sure but the hot sauce that you sent me is the only thing that i've ever had that gives me like really vividly weird dreams and we Even did and we and we did determine you did use a scientific method to determine that it was the hot sauce that was yes. giving you dreams. yeah because i stopped using it for a while the dreams went away and then i used it again <laughs> and then that night weird dreams that's funny y'all have to like pull your audience on if if other people have had that i don't know if it could just be from like the capsaicin that's the you know like the molecule that causes the heat yeah so maybe since you're used to eating like Tabasco and Cholula and then um, that one I sent you guys is made from like a much hotter pepper. So it has a higher capsaicin concentration. Yeah. Cause it's um, Carolina Reaper, isn't it? 
No, that one was uh, Red Devil's Tongue Pepper. Okay. And uh, it's actually super funny. I was listening to y'all's podcast where you ate that, and I guess I need to work on my handwriting because on my note, I said it's 10 times hotter than Tabasco, but I guess I had my, my zero on the 10 like kind of messed up because you guys are like, oh, it's 19 times hotter. <laughs> oh. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, not mean to, I don't want to hurt y'all's ego, but yeah, it's 10 times hotter, not 19. Okay. That's uh, not hurting my but, ego. I just, I know it gives me weird dreams. It was good. I, re- I really want to go get the sauce and the biscuits, and I want to see if we have weird dreams. Go, I'll go do it. Uh, yeah, you know where the key is. Yeah. So, the I would say, and that is, uh, Jack, the hot sauce that we had of yours was the hottest hot sauce I've had where I actually did enjoy the flavor. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does have a really good flavor. That's why I kept it. Still yeah, that one is fermented. So what is what is that process like when you when and not all hot sauces are fermented. So will you kind of talk us through the fermentation process of a hot so- of a hot sauce. I got the hiccups. Correct. Yeah. No, you're fine. So um, I, I'd say mine that I make are about fifty fifty, whether they're fermented or not. Um, and of course, the not fermented ones. You know, you you go to cook a batch and you just cook it and blend it. And the fermented ones, though. Um, I take a, I take a large jar, um, and like a big glass jar and it's got a, a lid on it and the lid has an airlock in it. Um, cause what you're after is, um, the anaerobic bacteria that like live on or in the peppers. And so you fill, you fill the jar with peppers and then you fill it with a saltwater brine solution and you put some sort of weight on top of the peppers to to then pin them underwater um because like i said like if the peppers are out of the water you can get aerobic bacteria so that's bacteria that uses air um and that that's a fancy way of saying mold which you, you don't want mold on it you want the anaerobic bacteria which basically eats the pepper and, and it um, like breaks down the, the yeah the parts of it yeah. right yeah, it breaks down the parts of it and then um, just gives it a unique flavor. So that that sauce that you guys have has kind of that, I, I don't know how to describe it, it's like a funky, tangy flavor. Um, but that that's kind of what the fermentation does. Uh, well, what made you get into then, the fermentation of it? That's funny um, that you asked that. And, and Cliff was asking if, if I consider myself uh, like a pepper head. But what's funny is that I would kind of equate the the pepper growing slash like hot sauce making community to the fly fishing community um <laughs> you got y'all got someone busting in uh, <laughs> we're no, trying to we're trying to pour hot, trying hot sauce to pour not hot again sauce. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, you're giving cliff ptsd over there um so what's funny is like the hot sauce community and pepper growing community and fly fishing community i think they have a lot of parallels in that it's kind of like a weird, like very niche community. Um, but like where the people with, are passionate within that community, it's very, very a small world, you know, yeah. like everyone kind of knows each other. And once you get into the community, um, you start noticing things, you know, like stickers on people's cars or like your coworker wearing a certain hat or s- stuff like that, you know, and it's just really good conversation starters. But, yeah. uh, one person I've met, kind of through doing this, I think y'all know him, you know, ditch fishing flies out of San Marcos. Yes. Mm-hmm. His name's Chris. Yeah. Um, Chris Kowalski. Yeah. Uh, Kowalski. Kowalski. Yeah. 
yeah, we're uh, we're Instagram buddies, and I he's big into growing peppers as well. And so I'm I'm like posting all these hot sauces I make and uh, and all my plants and stuff, and and he's like all about it. You know, he's always messaging me off my story, and and I message message him off his, and um, he's like, man, you got to try ferments, you got to try ferments. That's like his big thing is fermenting. Fermenting stuff. So probably mid last summer. Um, I got to the point, you know, where I'm just like overwhelmed. Like I'm getting more peppers than I can process picking them off the plants in a week. Uh-huh. So he's like, he's like, man, you got, you got to get in fermenting. Like it's easy because you put them all in a jar and it basically sit. buys you. Yeah. It buys you like two weeks to a month to six weeks of time where you don't have to do anything with them really. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of how I got into the fermenting is I, I'd say more out of Watch your uh, necessity and, uh, and his persistence that I needed to. <laughs> okay. But, but yeah, it got to the point where I was just like, I'm a biofermenter. Cause like, otherwise all these peppers are going to go bad. So wait, what so is I did a, it? What is a fermenter? It's I a, it's a large glass. In... Okay. Yeah. It's a big glass jar. Um, you can do it in like a Mason jar, but I got like a, a, a whole gallon size glass jar. Yeah. Cause you um, probably need something bigger than a Mason jar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then you can you can throw other stuff in the ferment too to tweak the flavors. Like that red sauce y'all have, I put uh, a red onion in as well. Onions are a really good complement to it. Is some garlic in here? Yeah, I think so. I think I put onion and garlic in that batch. I'd have to check, but onion and garlic and the peppers is really it. And then and then once the fermenting process is complete, that's when then you take the fermented peppers out and cook it like you would cook an unfermented sauce. Okay. Then, then you just do it normal from there. But once yeah, they're already exactly. fermented. Correct, yeah. So uh, talk about, I know like heat is measured in Scovilles. Um, Correct, yeah. So what are, and we're all biting into a biscuit with your hot sauce on it right now. Um, <laughs> what... Um, so good, man. What are some of your hottest peppers that you grow, and can you talk about how they relate to, like, the heat, the Scoville units? Yeah, I can do that. Um, I guess I'll start out that, like, for reference, uh, like a jalapeno, everyone knows jalapeno. That's about five to 8,000 Scoville. And then um, you get you get a bit hotter, you know, Tabasco. Tabasco peppers are, like, I think about 30,000. Are they really? And then big stuff. Yeah. I yeah, they not, are. I would not have um, thought that high. Because like mm-hmm. the meat Tabasco isn't like crazy spicy. Yeah. I think that fermenting process does like cut it a bit. Because mm-hmm. Tabasco is fermented mm-hmm. in Jack Daniels whiskey barrels, funny enough. Really? But yeah. Mm-hmm. I think they're one of the number one buyers of Jack Daniels used whiskey barrels. Because so, they only use them once as part of their process. So why would... Why would some jalapenos, like if you eat some jalapenos, they don't taste hot. Like if you get them with like your nachos, mm-hmm. they're not hot at all. They're pickled. Yeah. Is that what it is? Because mm-hmm. then like sometimes when they're like grilled or something and you bite into it and it's like. Yeah. It feels There's, lazy. The vinegar, like pickling things, cuts the heat. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So There's was, a lot of factors that affect it in the plant too. Just like it can be like amount of water and um it's actually interesting too like the longer a jalapeno stays on the plant the hotter it gets um so it can depend on like when they're picked um because the the inside of them will keep growing 
and that like uh, the kind of like white webbing in the middle and the seeds are where a lot of the heat comes from. I was going to ask, so is it, all the heat in the seeds? Yeah, a, a decent amount is. So like if I'm making a sauce and I a sauce out of like a, a hot pepper, like a habanero, but I want it to be a more mild sauce, I can take the seeds and that internal kind of connective tissue structure out and that takes a lot of the heat out but there's still capsin um, or right capsin what it is capsaicin capsaicin yeah capsaicin. there's still that on the skin of correct as well. yeah it's just not as concentrated mm. um but yeah jalapenos are an interesting one because if you leave them on long enough that that outside skin will actually start to get like wrinkly it's called corking and that's because mm. the inside is like growing faster and those get really hot um and then jalapenos are actually, will actually turn red. That's what you're going to ask if the they were always green. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's funny. Like, well, I tell people that and it blows their mind. But, yeah, you've been eating jalapenos unripe your whole life because they, they ripen to red, which is funny. Uh, interesting. So uh, going back to some of the hottest peppers that you grow. Oh, yeah. You set the standard for, like, what a jalapeno and uh, Tabasco pepper are. Um, where are some of your, where does your scale go up to for what you're growing? Um, I've grown a couple, uh, like super hots they're called. So like a, a ghost pepper, is that like a, considered a super hot? Yep. Correct. Those are, those can be like 800,000 to a million. Okay. Um, and then you got the Carolina Reaper, and, right? Which is a little bit harder than that. Yeah. Carolina Reaper is, uh, like this, I guess the certified hottest in the world. Mm-hmm. It can be up to like. 1.2 million Scoville. Right, but now people are like test, like check, playing with like the genetics of it and they're actually like Correct. getting it even harder, um, right? Because where does the scorpion pepper fall? Yeah, it's, it's about there with the Reaper. Okay. But um, what's, I grew one last summer and it was actually called an Apocalypse Scorpion. And uh, it's like a contender for the hottest in the world. Like some people claim it's hotter than the Reaper. Like, it could be like 1.4, like 1.6 million Scoville. Uh-huh. But well, it could it be just hotter, like hasn't, but not consistent. Yeah. I'm not sure what the process for like confirming the heat level, the scope, like how so do they count the what Scoville. What they do is they, they dry it and then they uh, they blend it up and then they run it through this machine that counts the okay the thing. That's I, I watched this little weird documentary the other day. Sounds oh, like that's it. Cool. In preparation for the podcast? No, just like I was watching. <laughs> it was all about like weird competitions of the world. And like oh, an yeah. episode on like hot peppers. Okay, that's cool. So yeah, uh, like with that, uh, you said a poc- You said you grew an apop- apocalypse scorpion pepper. What are you doing with that pepper? Are you making hot sauce out of it? I didn't with the apocalypse scorpion because um, like, I kind of just who grew it. it. <laughs> yeah, um, I think the hottest one I've made sauce out of. Um, I, I have one called a, a chocolate ghost pepper. So it's a ghost pepper, but it's like a deep, dark brown. That's why it's called chocolate. It, it doesn't taste like chocolate or anything. But <laughs> um, no sweetness in we slide. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. My uh, my company had a company wing cook off here in Nashville, like late last fall. Uh-huh. Um, so for that, I took those chocolate ghost peppers and I made a wing glaze with Ooh. them, and it was a chocolate ghost bourbon sauce. Mm-hmm. And uh, it it was really good, and we actually ended up winning the competition with it, which oh, was awesome. Nice. Yeah, That's but awesome. it, were they hot? Like it, how hot were they? 
it was hot. Like I would say it's probably about as hot as that sauce y'all are having. Okay. But oh, once again, like wings. Yeah, that's because it, oh, honestly, yeah. this is like a perfect, it's like, it still feels a little tingly, but it's not overpowering. Yeah. My mouth is hot yeah. right now from that hot sauce, but it's not unbearably hot. It's just so it's good, man. slightly like uncomfortably hot, but the flavor is there. That's the thing, because so many I've had so many hot things before that are hot just to be hot, and you end up suffering, exactly. but there's no flavor. Yeah, it's like, what's the point? Yeah. You know? To um, suffer. That's the only, the yeah. only downside to this sauce is the, the uh, uh, nightmares. The, I wouldn't even say they're nightmares, <laughs> but it's just weird dreams. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. I'll have to send you guys another one to test to see if it's just that batch. Or, oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right, we'll, we'll test whatever, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, I put a good okay. bit on my biscuit, so uh, when I take a nap, I'll oh, man. <laughs> see, we all have weird dreams. Come back to them. Yeah, with those chocolate, with those chocolate ghosts, just going back to that sauce, that's like kind of why I grow those hot ones is because that sauce had a lot of different elements in it like i can't reveal them all because like i said it's award-winning but it had uh, <laughs> it had like so i guess the main components were the chocolate ghost peppers the bourbon and then i used uh maraschino cherries um like a whole jar of them for a lot of sweetness um whereas if you if you put like a, a habanero for example which is still a very hot pepper if you drowned it out with like you know, the bold flavor of bourbon and all the sweetness from some cherries like that, um, You'll lose it wouldn't heat. be very hot, yeah. you know? So that's kind of my appeal in growing these these hotter ones. Yeah. It's not necessarily to do a crazy hot sauce, but to do a sauce with a lot of flavor yeah. that still has heat. Yeah, for sure. What are your plans for this year? Because you said you're about to start growing your peppers. Um, yeah. What, what do you have on the docket this year that may be different than you've done in years past? Man, I'm, I'm very excited. I've got um, 20 varieties I'll be growing. Um, 10 of them are actually plants from last year that I've decided to overwinter. Um, so I've, I've got them all trimmed down now and they're basically like, they're not growing, but they're not dying. You know, they're kind of in like a state of suspended animation until spring. Um, and then I've got some new ones I'm excited about probably, the most excited I'm growing ones called uh, sugar rush peach. Uh-huh. They're from, yeah, they're from like great Britain. They're like a, an orange pepper and they're apparently just extremely sweet, but also got, have some nice heat to them. Ooh. Um, yeah, that sounds good. I yeah. guess since it's, uh, since this is a, you know, the fly fishing podcast, I'm, I'm growing a pepper called a fish pepper actually. Why is it called um, the fish pepper? I'm not sure. That's a good question. From a, it's, Recycle the seeds fish. are eaten. Yeah. The yeah. seeds are fed to fish, yeah. and then they poop them out. And then they you have to for them to sprout. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, they're super cool because they they've got like a a genetic trait where they're variegated is the word for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, the leaves of the plant as well as the pepper have like white streaks in them with no pigment. Um, so that's just a pretty plant. But apparently, the peppers are are pretty tasty as well. And what's the name of the plant? excited for that. It's a fish pepper plant. A fish pepper plant. Yep. If you guys want to look at some pictures, the leaves are really cool. Like, it'd be a cool plant to grow. Zach's looking it up for us. So when was the last time you actually bought a hot sauce from the store? (laughs) Uh... I I actually it's been pretty recently. Um, I brought I bought some sriracha for a recipe I was doing. 
Oh yeah. So you're SPA not like then. just a purist of like I'm only going to use my hot sauce at, to at no, that point yet. No, I'm not. I definitely have like my staples that I keep store bought. That's really like Cholula, green Tabasco, and uh, Sriracha, I guess. And then I, I use mine a lot though. Like I, I've got some that's some unique ones that like really, if I wanted to buy it in the store, there's kind of nothing like it. Like I have one that's a white hot sauce. It's a garlic, uh, white fatali pepper sauce. And, and that one's really good, but like I, I wouldn't be able to buy a replacement for it. You know, mm-hmm. do you have to take precautions with stuff eating out of your garden or because they're peppers and they're so hot, the animals are like, eh, <laughs> Leave it alone. I'm not messing <laughs> with this. Um, so I, I've had a couple plants eaten a bit. I actually, it's crazy. I, I live like very pretty much in downtown Nashville and there are the biggest deer I've ever seen in my life. Like next, right next to my house every night, <laughs> like, you know, they're always walking around. They're huge. Um, and I plant last year, I had some spare seedlings just from, I sprouted too many seeds, honestly. So I put some in my front yard uh, some poblano peppers and the deer will munch like the the green leaves and stuff off the plants but um i really haven't had most of them grow in my backyard which has a fence so i haven't had a huge issue with that yeah no, nobody's put, jumping you, into your backyard you should put some in your front yard and see if the deers will eat like the hot peppers <laughs> and then they get weird dreams yeah. and then they get weird dreams yeah. or just massive diarrhea <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure they would come eat them they uh I got them on the ring camera about a month ago. They, I still had my pumpkins from Halloween out on the front porch, and they're out there trying to eat my pumpkins <laughs> off my front porch. Nice. So <laughs> does Nashville, are you able to urban bow hunt there? <laughs> I, I doubt it. I don't know. A lot of um, states in the southeast are allow for it. Like you can interesting. Hunt in, you can hunt in Atlanta inside the city wow. perimeter, but hmm. archery only. Yeah. So if Nashville gotcha. has it and you're getting these deer to come up to your plants, then sounds like you got a food plot. Beat them in with some ghost. No, I, I tried some shed hunting um, last. Um, I guess that was last spring. Now, but it was funny. Like my coworker let me borrow a game camera just because they're by my house every night. Like I'm talking huge bucks, and I had pictures of them. Like every night, every night, every morning, I look at the pictures. Then one morning, I had a picture. And it was like the same two bucks and one had no antlers and one had one antler. And I'm like, all right, time to go look around. You know? Yeah. Um, no, and so I, I, no, I, it, it's kind of funny. Um, you know, like down kind of somewhat urban living. I, I got to the edge of these little woods by my house and I'm walking around the edge of the field, you know, like maybe they were jumping in the field and they popped off. So I didn't see any. Then I found like what I thought was kind of a game trail going into the woods. So I'm like, all right, yeah, let's, let's walk down this. Like maybe they got hung on something along this trail and and lost an antler. So I'm walking down the trail and the trail just keeps getting wider and wider. And I'm like, man, like this is the biggest game trail I've ever seen. And then I look up ahead and there's like a dozen tents up there. <laughs> I'm like, oh, is this not from the deer? I better game turn trail. around. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So um, that that kind of spooked me a bit, and had no luck shed hunting. But maybe this year. What? Uh, any other interesting? Oh, what? Do you have to take any precautions with with working with peppers that are that hot? 
Like I know, like you wearing gloves, yeah. and, like stuff like that, because you get that stuff on your hands yep. and then rub your eyes or something. Then yeah, that was my question: is how oh, often yeah. have you touched your eyes after handling these peppers? <laughs> <laughs> so I've actually gotten pretty good. I I wear gloves whenever I'm uh, whenever I'm cutting the peppers for the sauce or anything, and I actually cook all of the hot sauce on my back porch. Um, I've got like a Coleman camp stove, you know, so I just sit on my back porch and cook it. Um, I made the mistake. (laughs) That's, that's from experience too. I, um, I made the mistake of like starting to cook some inside once with a Fatali pepper, um, which is basically like a habanero and just gassed the whole house up. It was horrible. Like I was, I was coughing harder than I ever coughed and, from then on, like it's like, yeah. If you're making hot sauce, you're making it outside. I wouldn't even think about that, but yeah, I guess. So, yeah. do, you, do you boil them or do you roast them? Like, what's how are you cooking them? Um, it's a little bit of both. So, I I like to, in a lot of my sauces, roast the peppers first, especially uh-huh. on the unfermented sauce. So, I'll I'll either bring my toaster oven outside and like toast them in there, uh-huh. or put them on the grill and give them a char on the grill first. Mm-hmm. Um. But after that, it's a lot of uh, like simmering and boiling because, you know, you want to you want to have like a clean product. You want to kill any bacteria that's in it. Um, So, yeah, a lot of just like and if you put other ingredients in it, like garlic or onion, you know, you want to let that cook down to where it's soft before you blend it. Are you um, uh, like keeping whole peppers, like all the seeds and everything? Because the seeds, you know, you make jalapeno poppers, you know, most I, I know I take the seeds out um stuff Mm -hmm. like that are you keeping all the seeds in are you like kind of playing with the heat by the amount of seeds that you're allowing into your sauces yep i do that um so most of them stay seed in uh some of my sauces uh not the one i sent you guys but some of my sauces at the end of the cooking i'll strain them through a fine mesh to get more of like a like a thin liquidy sauce like a tabasco or a crystal Mm -hmm. yeah because i was going to say this one's pretty thick yeah, that um, one's chunky. Yeah, so like if uh, you're trying to get it to go through like that little nozzle spout, it's pretty hard. You have mm-hmm. to beat on the to get anything out of it, really. Yeah, exactly. But I'm and afraid then for of like that, off the nozzle because I don't want it to overdo. <laughs> you don't want all of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a dangerous game. <laughs> um. So are you in? Uh, if are you just selling them to like friends and stuff like that? You don't have a website or anything. Yeah, not a website. Um, most of my orders, I don't know, it's kind of probably 50-50 now is just through friends and coworkers um, here in Nashville. And then probably the other 50% is just people hitting me up on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I was telling Zach, it'll be funny, I'll, I'll post on my Instagram story that I'm cooking a batch and, you know, like before I'm even done bottling it, I'll have six messages. People be like, oh, I want a bottle. Um and, you know, I'm only making eight bottles <laughs> for that batch. So I'm like, all right, good to go. That's it. But, no, um, no, nobody else yeah. hot sauce. It's good. It, it's to the. It's not like big business right now by any means. But uh, last summer I was like probably self-sustaining, you know, which I can't be said for most of my hobbies. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. Because if you're, you know, if it's enough to like rebuy your plants for the next year and buy seeds and stuff yeah. like that and some like gardening equipment or whatever you need to do, you know, if it's yeah. paying for itself, that's pretty cool. Exactly. So I think I, I broke even last year when I factor in like seed cost, like cost for my dirt and fertilizer, and then 
definitely like the bottles and the ingredients for the sauce. And I actually had probably like just enough left over from last year's sales that um, on Black Friday, I got a little greenhouse from Harbor Freight and uh, I just got that built last weekend. So that's like the end of my funds from, from the 2021 season, but it's going to let me start the season a little earlier. Um, so which will be nice. You're going to keep so. everything in the greenhouse from here on out. Um, so basically what the greenhouse is going to let me do is just start the plants a little earlier. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So I'm going to get them started this weekend from seed and some of them, especially the super hot varieties will take, some of them take about two weeks to sprout just from the seed. Oh wow! And then they can take another couple weeks to, you know, even form their first true leaves and, and get to seedling size. So by the time they do, it'll be, it'll be like March here, which, um, it'll still be cold and it'll still be frosting, but I think they'll be okay in the greenhouse. Um, it'll give them like just enough protection to, to make it and, and starting them just like getting them going in there just a couple weeks early could make a big difference in like how many peppers I get for the season, especially with the hot ones that can take 110 days to, to get you a harvest. Okay. That's cool, man. Um, do you have any tips? If anybody wanted to start growing peppers in their yard, uh, what tips would you give? Uh, just a couple tips to help people get started. Yeah. Um, I would definitely say start with a, uh, start with buying some seedlings like from, from Home Depot or your local garden center or wherever. Um, they can as I was kind of touching on before, they can be pretty finicky to start from seeds. Um, so I guess make sure you like it, you know, before you invest in all that. Um, and then after that, they love full sun. So just like full sun, like roasting them, like you think they're going to die. That That's what they live for. So full sun. Um, do they, they do require really a lot well. of water? Uh, it kind of depends on what you're holding it in. So, that was, that's probably my next big tip is they do like pots, but, um, in pots, they'll obviously need more water than if they're in the ground or something with that full sun. Um, and I like to use instead of like a plastic pot, definitely use like a terracotta pot or my favorite is, uh, they make grow bags now. So it's like a fabric bag with handles on it because they really don't like to have like wet feet. And in a plastic pot, like it's hard, it doesn't drain too well, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, but in like a grow bag or a terracotta pot, they'll, that drains really well, they'll do a lot better. Uh, through this, uh, adventure of yours of growing peppers and stuff, have you been able to tell what regions of the world some of these hotter peppers typically come from, or is it kind of all over or? Yeah, it it's kind of all over. Um, most of them are from like South Central America, Brazil, um, Brazil, I'd say the Bahamas, uh, things like that. It's, it's really interesting because there's not that many actual species of peppers, uh, like maybe like 15 or 20, but then there's thousands and thousands of varieties of peppers um, that have just like, been just from where they've come from basically they've changed and adapted and then they look like completely different plants at points like 
I'd, I'd say a perfect example of that is like I've mentioned the habanero pepper and the fatali pepper. Those are actually the exact same species, but mm. habaneros are from South America and like hundreds of years ago, you know, when, when trade started up across the Atlantic and stuff, um, seeds of them got moved to Africa. And so through growing habanero seeds in Africa for 600 years, you know, they adapted to the, the sandier soil, you know, and the hotter climate, drier climate and became the fatale pepper. But genetically they're still the same species. But if you, if you eat a habanero and you eat a fatale, like they're, they are very different. Um, so so it's pretty interesting kind of just learning the history of some of them too. They're, it's, they're almost like, it's like they're Pokemon, you know, you got to catch them all. Like <laughs> yeah, once you, I, once I, you start growing a few, you're like, once you grow a few, you're like, man, that one tasted good. Oh, it has this relative that has this trait. I got to get that one. <laughs> yeah. I was kind of uh, amazed at the fact that there's only like truly 15 species of pepper in the world. Mm-hmm. And then where did those, yeah. where do, where are those coming from? Like where, where did those 15 kind of originate? Is it all over or is it kind of centrally located? Like did yeah. all the, did all the original start in like Southeast Asia and then through trade move over and then develop these hybrids and all that? Yeah, I, I would be, I don't know this for sure, but I'd be willing to say most of them are from like South and Central America okay. um, areas. But, but yeah, it, it is interesting how they can be like the same like there's the different species. Like I think the main ones are like anums and then there's like bacatums and stuff. But like like your anums, that, that includes a bunch of peppers. Like that includes like cayenne pepper, jalapeno, uh, bell peppers. So they're really all the same, but they're very different, you know? So when you say South and Central America, do you see the majority of them in that area coming from like the Amazon basin and all that yeah yeah a lot of them do they're like subtropical tropical type plants interesting Hmm. um the carolina reaper i mean i'm assuming that that was one that's kind of been moved around and then developed its own thing as well like i don't think that that's the standard of yeah pepper. well and i think so no. many peppers now are genetically modified yeah i think carolina reaper exactly. is relatively new as a pepper mm-hmm. right i but i, I guess think the carolina reaper is a capsicum chinese which is the same as like the habanero fatale scorpion um they even but, look similar too with the way they're kind of like stubby and wrinkly yeah mm-hmm, correct and then uh now, was that does it get its name from growing predominantly or being produced in the Carolinas, or is that just a catchy name? I would imagine that the person yeah. who created Genetic it, and modified it, is, in, is from Carolina. Gets a name. Yeah, yeah. The guy who made that one, his name's like Smoking Ed Curry. Yeah, <laughs> of course. <laughs> so like, of yeah. course, he's like a pepper guy. But uh, yeah, he's in the Carolinas. And okay. I, I can't remember what he crossed to get that one. I think it was like a ghost and a scorpion or something. Something like that. Hmm. It's fascinating for sure. Uh, Jack, if people wanted to order hot sauce from you, uh, reach out to you on Instagram and then... Uh, wait, oh. wait wait, with baiting fingers to yeah. see the Instagram drop? Yeah. Is that the best way to do it? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, probably so um, for now. And, and that's probably my plan for, for this next season and see where it goes. Uh, and then who knows, maybe maybe 2023 start up something uh, a little more official. But that's definitely the best for now. Um, and and it's a little slow like right now. So obviously not not really growing much. But in the summer, it'll it'll pick up and I'll, I'll be cooking a decent amount. What do you sell a bottle of hot sauce for? Um, I sell my three ounce bottles for eight dollars, and I've done some five ounce bottles for ten. Okay, cool. And the one we yeah, have plus is shipping. A, a three, three ounce. ounce. That's a three. Mm. Yeah. Now, yeah, it kind of stinks with the shipping because it's like people are like, oh, how much? I'm like, oh, it's uh eight dollars for the hot sauce and eight for shipping. <laughs> <laughs> so, which is what uh, I did, but it's worth it for okay. sure. Yeah. Um, so, do you have any plans of Quitting your day job and becoming a hot sauce. <laughs> uh, what's your pepper? What's your pepper nickname, Jack? Uh, I don't know. Some of my coworkers would call me like Pepper Jack, like the cheese. I Ooh, guess. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, Pepper kinda, Jack kind of works out. You should make a Pepper Jack uh, Instagram account and uh, yeah, and do one hundred percent because you have a drone account too. That's not something we haven't even talked about the for your day things. job. You pretty much fly drones as part of your job, not your full job. Um, yeah, yeah, that's that's part of my job. Um, that that's been good. And I know you have a drone account where you show a lot of cool footage and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, for sure. What is your Instagram account that people can follow your pepper, uh, pepper page? Pepper page. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for now, it's just my name, so it's Jack underscore Carlisle underscore as J A C K underscore. C A R L I L E underscore. Mm-hmm. Um, if I ever were to make a pepper specific one, um, I, w- I would definitely announce it via that page. That's probably the best way to just like stay in touch. Okay, cool. That's awesome. Um, Jack, do you have any like cool stories or anything you want to share with us? Pepper stories or anything like that? Or fishing stories? Probably. I, I think we've covered the peppers pretty well. Yeah. Um, I've been. I've been doing a little bit of fishing. Um, you mentioned the drone stuff. Had to go to uh, Pensacola, Florida, for a drone flight. Um, I guess two weekends, two weeks ago. Um, and while I was out, while I was down there, the the only flight I could get out back to Nashville was in the evening. Um, so went ahead and did a, a quick bay fishing trip while I was there. That was pretty fun. Um, wasn't the the best conditions. It was pretty cold, but we got my coworker who was with me caught a, a really nice sheep's head. And, oh, nice. uh, I, yeah, I, I never actually had sheep's head, but I've always heard it was really good. So I flew it back to Nashville with me and, nice. um, did you cook it up? Yep. Yeah. I flew it back to Nashville. Um, just blackened it and cast iron skillet. And put made some tacos out of it. I was going to say, amazing. What, what hot sauce did you put on it? <laughs> I have one uh, that I have right now. So at the end of the 2021 season, got to get my ears straight. <clears throat> um, when like the first frost, like it frosted like two nights in a row. Um, so I was like, all right, like, you know, that's it. So I went and picked all of my plants, all of the unripe peppers and, uh, it ended up being like, it was like five and a half pounds of unripe peppers, which on like a habanero and like the red devil's tongue and stuff, they're still 
pretty hot, you know? So I fermented those for like, I think it was six weeks or yeah, fermented them for six weeks and then made like a green verde, uh, hot sauce out of them that came out really good. Um, and so, yeah, I did just the fish taco, just the sheep's head blackened, did mixed, um, actually mixed some uh, sour cream with some Cholula and made like a little crema and then put like some slaw on top and then hit it with the green, uh, the green hot sauce to top it off. But it it was excellent. I can, uh, I can see why people like sheep's head so much. That sounds awesome. Dude, we, uh, I hate their teeth. I posted that YouTube video where me and Ian went fishing and cooked up some trout Uh and, uh, some guy commented, Mm -hmm. um, Ew, hot sauce and trout. I would never basically like comment like that. I was like, dude, we live in South Texas. Hot sauce goes on everything. everything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah What's he thinking? Yeah. I was like, I, yeah. Hot but, sauce and trout. Ew, I would never. Like, dude, we're like South <laughs> like, Texas. Like hot sauce. <laughs> um, well, cool, Jack. Dude, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, man. This was no, great. We'll, we'll post your Instagram in in the comments so people can follow your pepper stuff if they want to get a hot okay. sauce. And then, um, uh, yeah, reach out if you guys want to get hot sauce. Reach out to Jack. Yeah, and next time I'm in Tennessee, man, let's go fish. Yeah, I was talking to yeah. Jack yesterday. We need to schedule something so we can go fish with him, and then we can you know check out his pepper pepper farm. Let's do it this summer. Pepper Jack's pepper farm. Pepper Definitely, patch. Yeah. Come on up. Let's, let's pepper Jack's pepper patch. Yeah, I've got the skiff uh, up here and come on up. We'll go we'll go out on the Cumberland uh, down through downtown Nashville. It'll be a good time. We'll get some drone do footage. Little, we'll uh, Yeah, do a little urban fishing for some maybe some carp, some yeah, uh, yeah. some bass from gar some gar maybe. Ooh, yeah, yes. let's do it. Let's do it. Cool. We'll, we'll make a show on it. Uh, thanks for coming on, Jack. Uh, we will see you guys. We're going to be at Trout Fest and the Fly Fishing and Brew Festival. So we will see you guys. If y'all are at those events, come say hi to us. We'll be recording some podcasts. We'll have a booth set up, hanging out. Uh, make sure you join our Discord. Um, Jack, you should join our Discord too. Our Discord. Yeah, definitely. I was listening to you explain what it is. It's like a chat room and y'all. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> I've never used it, but you gave a pretty good explanation in a yeah. I'll, I'll send you. A, I'll send you a link. We should get. We should ask all of our guests on too, so our listeners can can chit chat with our guests. With them. Yeah, yeah. So uh, go check that out. And uh, we're actually. Uh, I ordered some uh, fly patches out of Sea Deck, so those will be available soon too. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, with our honey hole. I'd, logo I'd rep on. one of those. Yeah, we'll Ooh, trade yeah. you uh, one for a bottle of hot sauce this year. Ooh. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that sounds like a good trade. Yeah, and I think that will go great on your boat, too. Um, yeah, for sure. I'll get some patch. Both. Both. Hot sauce. <laughs> Why not both? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well, thanks, Jack. Um, thanks for coming on. Uh, cue the music, Zach. Mm-hmm.